start the recording device and let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for all that you give us. We'd ask that you would keep us always conscious of rendering you thanks, especially for the word this morning in your son's name. Amen. Well, I was, I was in, well, last night, I was, I, I don't want you to think that this is going to happen regularly, but I was actually thinking on Saturday of what I might be preaching on Sunday. And this is how far it got. Maybe I'll do some Jesus. That was it. That was the degree of commitment I could come up with. So when I got up this morning, I'm trying to get out to the back porch with my cup of coffee. I said, oh yeah, I decided it was going to be something from Jesus. So I opened my Bible to the Gospels, and they're staring at me in Luke 18 was uh, the bit about suffer the little children, that King James has it. So, you know, that's not something I often think about going to. There is a tenderness that is not generally mistaken for Evan that's involved in the children. Everyone knows what I think of the children. But the children like that. Some of my best friends are Addison and Mari here at church because they're honest with me. They, they tell me what they've been doing. But the little ones, the little tiny ones that are like limp dish rags, they're not, they're not that interesting. So I'm not a, I'm not a natural uh, uh, patriarchal uh, guy who's getting all a quiver with his quiver full. Uh, I, I don't have those sorts of feelings, so it's probably good for me to look at this. I have over on the left-hand side the Matthew 19 passage, Luke 18 passage, Mark 10 passage. So in the synoptics, a very slight one paragraph for it. Let's read the 19, Matthew 19. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Luke 18 adds, Now they were bringing even infants to him. Now, I don't know if that translation was done just so that the infant Baptists could have something to play with, but let's grant that they were truly infants. To him, and that he might touch them, and when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. The rest of it's the same. The Mark 10 adds something else to it. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. This is the, it read exactly the same up to this point. The disciples rebuking people for bringing children to Christ. But this adds, he was indignant. And said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms 
and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. It elaborates a little more deeply in Mark what Christ's emotion is about this, what Christ's nature of his blessing is not just, you know, they passed by his raised hand and he blessed them. No, he picks them up on his lap, essentially. He picks them up, blessing them, laying his hands on them, praying for them. And he's ticked. He's ticked at the disciples. Now, you say, well, okay, all right. I guess we just have to add that to our view of children's ministries, right? Where we have to suffer the little children, youth group, whatever else might be going on. We've got a feeling that it's probably not that. It's, it's, it's a paragraph in the synoptics. A paragraph where some mom seeing the teacher, the rabbi, the great popular one, and they go, and he's really holy, and they bring their kids, bless my kid. Well, you probably did, you know, do that in a situation if you were, you had met, Billy is no longer with us, but if you had met Billy, and you had your infant in your arm, as you met Reverend Graham, it's like getting an autograph in Christian circles. Here, you want to hold my kid and bless my kid? I mean, if Billy Graham had blessed you? You can see this, it's a very natural moment. Now either Christ is making a, a, a revelation about his real choice in ministries of trying to reach kids for, for the kingdom, or is he really open to kids, whatever the case. What's, what's this indignance? My gosh. When I was looking at it, in each of these synoptics, like I said, Matthew 19, Luke 18, Mark 10, over on the right-hand side is the actual passages of the point today. It's Matthew 18, a chapter before this. Luke 9, or about nine chapters before this event. Mark 9, one chapter before this event. One of the reasons <laughs> I suspect the Lord is indignant is he's been telling them this for a while and they have been missing it in a big way for a while. And we are still missing it. Some people will, you know, argue about the children's role in the church or what is the nature. Obviously the parents are bringing the infant, so if you're supposed to receive the kingdom like a little child, that means you have to be physically brought in and baptized forcibly without your consent. You know, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Well, it would be good if we read the Lord more broadly. In other words, we read the Gospels. And when we came to this, Matthew 8.10, which was where I had started in the, uh, I think it was in the Matthew account, the Matthew 19 account. And the chapter before, it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whether this is a week, a month, 24 hours before this 
suffer the little children to come unto me. He has told him, and then at verse 4 it says, whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This has been a topic for Christ, you know, when he says at one point about uh, the Gentiles have rulers over them and they're called benefactors, it shall not be so among you. Everyone who would be the greatest among you must be servant of all. We, we, we struggle with these concepts. These are central to the Christian life. They are central to the kingdom of God. They're central to the advancement in the kingdom of God. But I don't know if you notice it, but the greatest people in the kingdom of God today, I'm using the term kingdom of God rather loosely, are the people whose PR agents have gotten them there. They have found the way to get people into your consciousness. Now, because when you get to the suffer the little children portions, a chapter or a few later, in each of the Gospels, you need to know what Jesus is going through. He's going, I t- you. And in this case, in the Matthew 8, the, the three passages we're looking at, this was a circumstance where the disciples were talking about and arguing about, embarrassedly, who was the greatest among them. Who was outstanding disciple of the month. Oh, we love those situations. Realtor of the year. You know, your little plastic trophy. The best student. I knew people, I think I've mentioned this before, people that were elected faculty commendation, Christian school. Happened to be the kid, when I asked the kids, who's the worst kid in the school? Same name actually came up. The teachers voted faculty commendation to the kid that every other kid goes, oh, he's just the the worst. I had bothered to ask them. Well, we like those things, though, because you've got to apply for jobs someday, right? And you've got to be able to put, you know, I was voted most likely to be a complete pill by all my friends. I have a trophy. We turn this around because the world, I have no trouble with you getting a trophy for being the best at something. Just not being at the best at Jesus Christ. Okay? The kingdom of God is a different kind of kingdom. It doesn't mean I have to try to apply the rules of the kingdom of God to all the other kingdoms. I don't have to run the United States of America like the kingdom of God. I don't have to run my sporting pursuits, you know, the NFL, like the kingdom of God. But when I'm in the kingdom, I better not be running it like the NFL. I better not be very conscious of kind of the opposite of humbling himself. If I am advancing someone in my view of the kingdom in their lack of humility, the unchristian nature of what I'm doing is pretty pronounced. Something as tender and as vulnerable as the child illustration 
We have superiority through humility. That's the nature of the kingdom. Christ is our example, it says in Peter. I don't know if, next time you're reading through the Gospels, start to note, you might say, the degree of meekness. Oh, we find those spots where there's a whip made out of cords. Oh, we find those spots where he calls somebody a whitewashed tomb. Because there's many of us, myself included, who like that kind of gunslinging um, machismo. I like it a lot. And when you see John the Baptist being all John the Baptisty and Jesus being all John the Baptisty, you go, okay, yeah, I can. I've got that all worked out. I've got that. I have a gift in this. I need. I might have a gift in, in human insult, but I, I need to have the gift of the humility of a child to become greatest in the kingdom. Don't think you're going... If you have the greatness of the kingdom of heaven and you're not humble, you're not great in the kingdom. I mean, that's just... Those are the rules. The Jesus put that out there and said, that's how you become it. And so you've got to live that in such a way. When they had objected to the children being brought, that was at the end of them fighting with each other over their standing. And he's going, who, where'd you get you guys? You know, Walmart? Did I pick you up at the cheapest place for human beings that you would turn around? Oh, look at this, the Luke passage. And an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. I don't think I've ever been in that argument. I may have been in that argument with my siblings. I know that I've been in arguments of which of our ethnic groups are the greatest. It's not the Irish. Okay, let's be clear. It's not the Irish. There are some people who do this seriously. It's important to them to know. But when Jesus perceived the thought of their hearts... I want you to be aware of how direct the later passage about receiving the kingdom of heaven like a little child is defined for you chapters earlier. And he's looking at people fighting over standing. And he knows what thoughts they have. And so he took a child and put him at his side. Now I like that little image. Because there was another situation, I forget the reference where James and John, the mom of James and John, said, you know, can, when you come into your kingdom, can James and John sit at your right hand and your left? And Jesus said, no, that's for whom it has been reserved. Are you able to have a baptism to be baptized with, so forth and so on. I like the image of him taking the kid, say he's sitting on a bench in the park, talking with his disciples. And they're very conscious of their relationship, their standing of how... Am I the friend that stands closest in? John says that in, in the Last Supper, right? He, I, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who laid close to his breast at the Last Supper. People are concerned about who's sitting at his right hand. He grabs the kid, pops him on the bench next to him. Set him at his side, put him at his side. Knowing what they were thinking, 
Not just what they were arguing about, knowing what they're thinking. Because when we argue, oh, we, we can always say, oh, 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 I didn't mean that. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Jesus has passed that. He said, I, I actually know what you meant. Thank you. I was ahead of you on what you meant. And said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is, is the one who is great. Oh, again. It's the same situation, the same circumstance. It occurs in the same place in the, um, in the narrative. We're being told that there is no superiority in the kingdom. Except by a, uh, a humble individual. Hum, hum, humble indiv individual. Now, that your internal humility, your what you think, and I always give this Lewisian definition, it's not scripture, but he always says it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Not being about you. We were talking uh, many situations over the last number of years where we've talked about the nature of all sin, because all sin is about you. All sin is about what you want what you have, what you must get. You making you happy. And guess what? You are the problem. Yeah, I wrote a short story on something many years ago. and In it, one of the characters had the, said, well, Pappy always said that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And the other person said, the problem is you think you're the wheel. People think they're the ones who should receive. It's their state in life, not the other person's state in life. Not a service to others, but a getting for you. So once you, you, one, you have your humility, if you look at the Matthew thing, you're, you, before, you before God, you have humbled yourself like a child before God. You bowed the knee. It's hard to tell whether or not a person has done that. God knows if you've done that. You accept the guidance of God with a bowed knee before him that says, your way, Lord, not mine. The problem then occurs is we are then in the group called Christians. And the second accounting, or add some things to the accounting, is your reception not your reception of the kingdom like a child, your reception of the child. Right? Receives this child, receives me, receives God who sent me. So you've got two at least tasks in your humility. One is to be able to bow the knee before God, and the other is to treat the other who is not God with re a reference that this is how you bow the knee to God is receiving that, the child, the low. And so what does John do? Now John, this is obviously written Luke. This account does not occur in John. 
But John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, you always sort of picture him as, oh, he's the sensible disciple. He's the loving disciple. He's a bastard in this passage. <laughs> it's like, listen, Master, we saw a man casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him, because he does not follow with us. John, my gosh, I thought you were the nice one. But he's not the nice one. Jesus said to him, do not forbid him, for he that is not against you is for you. You should have, part of the problem we have in the church is the conceits and the arrogance and the tribalism and the us versus them and everybody takes elements of they're actually about them in their treatment of others but they say it's, in the, it's us being about my theology. See, he's not, he didn't join our group and he was casting out demons in your name, so we know, golly, you have to be in our group. I mean, that just goes without saying. We get into situations where as soon as we were, our pride was taken away when we bowed the knee to Jesus Christ to be saved, and then we go gather it all up in Christian terms, where we can be then proud again about the kingdom of God we've collected around us. He says, that's not the nature of the kingdom of God. We talked about it, was it last Sunday? We took it Sunday before, out of Romans 15, where the power of the Christian life, what God has done in you, it brings you to the point of being able to welcome the brethren. You welcome others. You don't find yourself banning another believer because of a difference, because he did not come with us. When it says, and this, again, we were talking to, where's Roy? Somewhere, Roy right there. Roy was telling me he and Karen were going through Matthew 18 um, and how connected a lot of the things that we, we break out and say these are different teachings or different moments, but it may all come back. Look at, look at what, you, you had this correction about your attitude, your humility, or lack of it, receiving this little child. John turns around and said, hey, aren't we the best and aren't they the worst? I, 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 I rebuked them. I was, I was better, Jesus. I was better for you. And she's going, are you an idiot? And then they say, in the days, for when the days drew near for him to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him, who went and entered a village of the Samaritans, to make ready for him. But the people would not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. They were racists about Jews. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to bid fire come down from heaven and consume them? Now, King James, I believe, says, like Elijah. But he turned and rebuked them. Remember that irritation about that indignance? How long and how many times do I have to tell you what Christianity is about? Because normal humanity is how they act. They're just putting, we're followers of Jesus on the surface of basic human response. 
Do you want us to bid fire come down from heaven and consume them? He turned and rebuked them. I think it's the King James, but some of the texts of this passage says, you do not know what spirit you are of. Okay, there's a whole sentence after this that is not present in my translation. Maybe in yours. You do not know what spirit you are of. And that sounds just like Jesus to me. Yeah, you don't know what's moving you. What I want you to be thinking about is when you preach the gospel and in your own reception of the gospel, did you humble yourself before God? And did that experience, did you, do you pursue the Christian life with an eye to being humbled towards the rest of us? Or do we naturally, naturally have a party spirit? When it says party spirit, for those of you who are less Bibleese oriented, it's not going to parties. You know, the person who has a, a, party, a party girl. And it's not that. No, a party spirit is someone who likes belonging to the right group. Clickishness or, or denominationalism, whatever it is. The Mark passage. And he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? I like the way there's various ways it's related this awkward conversation came out. First, one of them asked them, how do you know who's the greatest? Oh, shh, shh, don't, don't say that. What were you guys talking about? Uh, who's the best? But they were silent. They're, they know. They know. Even people who are into this, if you ever actually address what it is you're doing, I have known people, you know how Jesus says when you go to a feast, you do not go sit at the highest spot, you sit at the lowest spot. So the opportunity is that you'll be moved up by the master or the host rather than being asked to move down for someone more important than you. But I have been in situations where someone of some fame was insisting. Now, it's not, that's not, that's, I mean, that's bad enough. But you'd ask yourself, what would, if I, stop, say, hold on, hold on, hold on right there. I just want you to explain to me your motivations right now. Just tell me about it. Tell me how you're feeling that you need the front row seat, that you need to be elevated. Like the disciples, they were doing this. They were talking about who was the greatest. Jesus said, hey, what were you talking about? And they know perfectly well it's wrong. We know perfectly well that although we've dressed our pride in Christian terms, we have done bad things. We know this is about us. And we've hidden it under the name of Christ. For on the way they discussed with one another who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. It's in red. Keep it as a rule. Put it on your fridge. And he took a child this is one chapter before he blessed the little children. 
and put him in the midst of them and said, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Can you imagine? Remember, these are the disciples who a chapter later are telling the mothers to go away with their kids. She said, are you out of your mind? Jesus is doing something with a child sitting the child next to him, sitting the child on his lap, taking the child in his arms and said, look, I know theologians don't do this. I know men with big topics don't do this. But men with big topics need to be humble men. And when the kid shows up, be good to the kid. Be attentive to the kid. Bless the kid. And if the theologians don't like it, what we used to sing when I was a kid was, if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Then I realized, hold it, it tells me not to speak ill of the devil, but it doesn't tell me not to speak ill of theologians. So I think we could change the song. If the theologians don't like it, they can sit on The meter's not right. We can work it out. If anyone be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child. Verse 37, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And again, the passage goes on into the conversations later that seem to be leveraging or still fighting the teaching of Christ. John said to him, Teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he was not following with us. That comes right in two Gospels. That's right there. The next thing. John's trying to get out from under the weight of this. Well, we got we got to protect our own Jesus. we got to have our own twelve. You know the twelve. Get special shirts, numbers on the back, Wilson across the back, number, I don't know what number I'd be, 666, something like that. Verse 39, but Jesus said, do not forbid him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after to speak evil of me. For he who that is not against us is for us, like he said before in the Luke passage. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose his reward. Now, this is still, like what I was talking to Roy, this is still on subject. If you want to get to the child being blessed, the children being blessed by Christ, with your head in gear about what Jesus thinks of this lesson, the lesson is our humility in all the different ways it can be both expressed and applied. How we receive, how we stand before our God, and then how we receive those who stand in our God by whatever broad measure. I don't know if you're considered a latitudinarian. That's the, remember the theologians that should sit on attack? That's what, having latitude of fellowship, a latitudinarian. So, we at All Souls would be more latitude-oriented. We'd accept Charismatics, Lutherans, not what are we, Mormons, but we would accept Baptists. A latitude. I don't know what yours is, but you're supposed to be thinking in a way 
that allows you to have that be your feast of reason, your feast of piety, a learning how to be gracious to those who don't agree with you or not with you. How is your Christianity expressed to those who are not with you? Because the reverse is true. If everyone gives you a cup of water because you bore the name of Jesus Christ, it's telling you, they will by no means lose their reward. This, and he's not teaching them that they would know. He's not teaching them that they would know that those who are nice to them receive their reward. He's telling them that if you give someone a cup of water because they bear the name of Christ, you will not lose yours. It's important. Whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin. Remember, he still got the kid there on his lap. It would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. We have general policies about causing people to sin. But remember, he's talking about He's talking about us in relationship to things we don't have a very high ordinate value to. That we should have a higher ordinate value. Those who bear the name of Christ all the way down to children. That we have a a willingness to do good, to be placed second, to come in service to these people. And what happens... And there's an awful lot in Christian circles. The faith is denied because they grow up in Christian circles where everyone is not humble as the day is long, but proud as the day is long. And we're causing them to sin. Now, this next passage is generally, by the time you get to it, it is viewed as a separate topic that you apply to sin in your life and resisting sin. But I want you to just for today, keep it in the context. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes be thrown into hell. Where your their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Now what I want you to, is sort of that, that thing I mentioned about the squeaky wheel. Sometimes we say, oh, if my hand causes me to sin, oh, my hand, oh, God, my hand. I want you to think about my hand. I should do without my hand. I, the, the essential victim here is not the hand. The hand got cut off because it would be better for me, Evan, to be handless, footless, eyeless. And we don't seem to think that that's true. Not because, I'm trying to wonder how a foot would cause you to sin other than playing soccer. Um, which it works for me. This is not to be, oh my gosh, the hands. We're not some primitive society where we're actually lop off hands. But I want you to think in terms of, we don't humble ourselves because we don't think 
we have should, should have to put up with our dignity not being fully honored. We don't want to give up anything for anyone else. Try, for heaven's sake. You losing is preferable. Remember the, uh, what's the, it, the British Empire was made on the playing fields of Eton. And people go put, pub, you know, schools, they have sports and the like. And I said, fine, as long as you believe that the losing, because half the crew is losing in everything you play. It's not winning on the playing fields of Eton, it's playing on the field. And we have to be ready to understand the task of losing when everything in us humanly and sinfully is to try to gain more for Evan. Because Evan is, you know, his majesty. I gotta learn to lose. I learned to say, yeah, I'll do without that hand, without that foot, without that eye to be in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God requires humility as a little child to enter it. And you could be fully capable, an omnicapable individual, not in a wheelchair, damned eternally, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. This is a passage, if nothing else, it's a passage of judgment on our, our conceits, our arrogance, our, our pride, our inability to set ourselves second. And when we do set ourselves second, we so quickly want to have it measured and honored. You know, oh, look, he set himself second. We're expected to become this kind of person. Humble before our God, humble towards those in a broad array of belief systems that are not yours, that are not in your group. And to be ready to lose your own developments. Because it would be better for you to be saved and not have that church, that ministry, whatever it is. And when it says everyone will be salted with fire... It's telling you that there's a judgment coming on this lack of meekness, this absence of, of you putting others before you. And salt is good, it says in verse 50. But if the salt has lost its saltness, how will you season it? How are we going to get back to the place where we stop venerating seeking to be venerated, holding out the potential of being venerated as a motivator, just like it is in the business world or the sports world or the whatever world. And God bless him in that. But we started to run the kingdom of heaven as if it were a series of blessings and advancements that we play to and we get published to and we get recognized as. Have salt in yourselves. You might you get the feeling you ought to maybe figure out what salt is. And remember, you will be salted with fire. This is this is the judgment that hangs over the lack of the hum, lack of your humility. That you're hanging on to your stuff, your hand, your foot, your eye against all comers because well, it's yours. Are you willing to lose for the sake of the kingdom? Have you learned what this is like? How are you going to regain this? 
How are you going to regain the humility Christ calls us to? How are you going to season the salt so that you still hear it? That, you, that you're embarrassed by the presumptions that you make about yourself. Have salt in yourselves. If you're going to carry this along, there's a judgment coming on your absence of humility. It's difficult to bring back the flavor of that judgment if you've let it go. You've just become, you've created a kingdom of God that, that works like the world. But it's supposed to work not with us tearing you down every Sunday and you know, say, well, we're a big we're church big on humility, so you're just awful. Have salt in yourselves. Be, be judged. If you judge yourself truly, you shall not be judged. And be at peace with one another. Because this is where it comes from. You look at Philippians 4. The mind that is yours, the one mind that is yours in Christ Jesus, is who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. That grasping, Jesus Christ is against it. It's hard to grasp after it when you cut your hand off, but be aware, this seems to be important to Jesus. He gets indignant about this. He rebukes them. He questions the spirit in them. And that's what you need to do. What's the spirit in me? Is this, is this coming from God, the kingdom? Or is this kind of a makeshift kingdom with the name of Jesus badly taped on the front door? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your kindness to us. We'd ask that we would be humble before you, that we'd be humble to each other. We'd serve our children. We'd learn to care for those who are downtrodden and that we would not be motivated by getting ahead, that we'd be looking for your glory and your kingdom being magnified. In your son's name, amen.